Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Not Your African Cliché. Before we get into today's episode, though, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, where we are Not Your African Cliché, as well as SoundCloud, where we are NYAC Podcast. Don't forget to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, we are Not Your African Cliché, Twitter, at NYAC Podcast, and Instagram, NYAC underscore podcast. You can also email us at NotYourAfricanCliche at gmail.com. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome to another exciting episode of Not Your African Cliché. My name is Onyeka, a.k.a. Yeka O, and I'm super, super excited um, to be having this conversation. But before we delve into the topic, though, I'll let my amazing co-hosts go ahead and introduce themselves. Hey, everyone. This is Ife Yua. Hey, everyone. This is Ife. Fantastic. And so, Ife, are you going to start off with the introductions? Sure thing. So on this episode, we have my friend Satya, who is the other half of Millennium Millennials. So if you guys remember, Imriel, Imri was on the podcast almost exactly a year ago. So Satya's on this year. Yay. Serendipity. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. Hey. Thank you so much for the invite. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining Fantastic. us. Okay, and then also introducing another friend. Um, this is a long-time childhood friend of mine. Uh, we grew up together, and then she got whisked away to the great land of Italy. Um, so this is Nenda. Nenda, do you want to say a few words to the peeps? Hey, everyone. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the invite, and I'm also really happy to be here. Fantastic. Okay, so as you guys can already tell, the topic first-generation immigrants. That's what we're talking about today. And given the crazy political climate, at least in the U.S., that we're facing, this is a very apt conversation. Um, So just to get the ball rolling, does anyone want to help us define the term first-generation immigrant, or what does that term mean to you? Yeah, because I have some questions. (laughs) (laughs) Satya. I I don't know who. I was like, wait, what, what am I? So yes, this is interesting. I don't know what I am. So this is Ifeyua, and my understanding of what a, who a first-generation immigrant is is someone whose parents um, were born um, and raised and are citizens of a country that is different from where they currently are. Um, and so, for example... Um, Someone who's born in the U.S. and is a U.S. citizen, but his or her parents were born in, say, Nigeria, um, Mm. and they're currently now living in the U.S., that person, I would say, is a first-generation immigrant. So I have a family friend who is American. She lives in New Jersey, but her parents were born and are citizens of Nigeria, but now they live in the States. So I would describe that family friend as a first-generation immigrant. Uh, But based on... Oh, okay. What if you have cases of people who um, were born in the same country 
as the one their parents were also born in, mm -hmm. but can move to a different country, mm -hmm. or people who um, were born in a different country mm -hmm. that their parents were born in, mm -hmm. but then were, were taken back to the, the country where their parents come from. Like, mm. do, do you get... Because yeah. I, I feel like you have two different sides. Well, but then again, it's like, they're immigrants, right? You know, mm -hmm. first-generation immigrants are still... Well, I don't even... Yeah, there are immigrants. They're still immigrants, but... Um, so mm, my family... I though. So, so I, I mean, you have... So you have be immigrants in their own country of... Say, in the country where their parents come from, either were born... So say, like, because I have some cousins that were, like... Um, born in, in abroad but just but just for the birthing process and then came back to their to the country where their parents come from yeah you well, see what i mean well okay let me just everybody tell the listeners if you are is not an expert on immigration good disclaimer yeah so but what i've read is you know if you this if you this is a description of first generation immigrants and you know there are articles and people define first generation mm -hmm. like differently but we had this mm -hmm. kind of conversation earlier so to our listeners we keep referring to an earlier conversation because we tried to do this episode before um <laughs> and for me my definition of first generation immigrants is you know based on biology in the sense that you know when we talk about hybridization and whatnot this generation x you know there's generation zero mm -hmm. and then the offspring of that generation is called generation one like first generation so when i say the children mm -hmm. of immigrants are first generation immigrants like those immigrants their parents are still are immigrants but i wouldn't call them first generation some people might call them those you know their parents like first gen but that i feel mm. like is because of um it's kind of a late sometimes the late person way of describing that gets shifted around and so linguistics wise and whatnot so some people refer to that generation zero as first generation so there's some confusion in the description but personally i think you know offspring but then back to your point nenda of like you know if you go here and there i don't know that's getting into specifics that i Mm, I don't know. Fair. I'm not familiar. Satya here. It sounded what, like what Nenda was saying was that um, when her parents moved back, you know, they could be considered expats, which, um, you know, you live in a country temporarily and then you go back to your um, original country. Mm -hmm. And um, that, it's, it's very funny, this, you know, this expat versus you know, immigrant kind of definition. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think it's super interesting, especially in the British in the British context when they talk of themselves going off to you know Costa del Sol or Bernadom in Spain and living there permanently. They will never say they will never call themselves immigrants. Mm. They will say they're expats, and I'm like, that's a real privilege, mm. you know, to be <laughs> must be nice an expat. Yeah, it's just that you know that distinction of who gets to be an expat and who gets to be an immigrant you know i think it's it's quite interesting yeah <laughs> quite spelled q white white but does anybody else have anything to add to the uh mountain of a definition that we just created yeah um yeah I, this is where the confusion was for me satya here sorry this is where the confusion was for me you know 
if my parents are the immigrants, are they the first generation? Or is it the offspring that's a generation? I would say, I would say probably the offspring. That's a, but then why is their offspring still an immigrant? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeka over here. And I think, um, can the offspring, can the offspring be an immigrant? Yes. As well as being a citizen. I don't think that you're either one or the other. I think you can exist as both identities. Just Hmm. depends on the individual. This is Ifeo, and um, so I guess that's why there's the what's it the prefix the whole, you know the whole the qualifier first generation immigrant because you're not really like you're not like you're a citizen of that country so technically you're not or you know whatever the technicalities are and you mm-hmm. know and the, and some of the resources we read you know the further down the line you are you know the more distance you feel from your Mm -hmm. family's native country. So, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's all of that too. It's like when you're fifth, sixth generation, do you still feel like an immigrant? Do you consider yourself to be an immigrant? But you still hear people who say like, I come from a family of immigrants, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. recognizing and acknowledging that history. Um, Right. Yeah. This is Ifa here. I think the immigrant at the end is not necessarily like defining that you yourself is Jesus English is hard (laughs) it's not necessarily saying that you yourself are an immigrant is that you you, like you're a descendant of immigrants exactly what if anyone is saying so like the first generation Mm. is like I'm a first you know I'm the first generation of people who were immigrants yes yes so um I don't think it's necessarily saying oh like you are an immigrant right right to answer satya's question right so one of the greatest things i've come to learn after being in the u.s for a while is the fact that like you can't teach empathy um but you can kind of nurse it in a way um by giving people um or presenting them with stories that are different from their reality excuse me um and so with that said Um, I was wondering if you guys would be interested in sharing kind of like what your immigrant story is, your immigrant journey, whether it was to the UK or to the US or in Nenda's case to Italy. um, And what were some of those struggles that you faced um, in those different spaces? So, um, yeah, Nenda here. Um, So I was born in Nigeria. Um, I grew up with my mom, who's Nigerian, and my stepfather, who's English. So, um, already living in Nigeria, I kind of, I kind of lived a sort of, I don't know, sort of like a hybrid lifestyle, if you, if you will, or binary. So like there was, you know, the, the side of my mom that was Nigerian, but then with my English stepdad, um, we kind of like went to places that only expatriates, uh, Mm -hmm. frequented, Mm -hmm. um, so that already caused like a bit of confusion for me growing up and i remember like i used to be so kind of like so angry when he would come and pick me up like from school with a driver and people would ask me but like you're not mixed race like who is that person (laughs) (laughs) i'll drive or something i'll be like no that's like my mom's um like my mom's remarried, you know, etc. So, it, it, you know, it was a hard time kind of like explaining, you know, being fully Nigerian, but then growing up with an English stepfather. But anyway, um, when I was 12, 
we moved to Italy um, because my stepdad's contract in Nigeria had finished and um, he had ties with Italy, so it was just easier to move there. And obviously, as you guys can imagine, like Italy is a great place and everything, but it was just mad, mad living there. Like, as in when you move from Lagos to a small, small Italian village where, like, literally, I'm not even lying, people had not seen a black person. Mm. Um, no. Like, and obviously, I had a language barrier. I could not mm. speak a word of Italian, cultural barrier. And initially, like, it was exciting because I'd been there, like, a few times on holidays. So I thought, oh, okay, um, this, this is, like, a cool place to live in. But, you know, I think there's, like, a distinction between going to a place on holiday and mm. the reality of actually living there. Um, so, anyway, that was six years of just very interesting. Um, it, it was a challenge, like, you know, for the first time, like, you know, people would call me, like, Negro, Negro, and I wouldn't understand why. Oh, I mean, I, I did understand why, but then you, would, you wouldn't expect, it's like, because I think when you come from, like, I don't know, an African country, they, they tell you that, you know, European countries, they're so developed, everything, people, their minds, so you don't ex actually expect people mm. to treat you like that. Because, mm. like, I don't know, I find in Nigeria, like, when a white person comes, we're so welcoming. Like, we, people, even like, people even like white people more than Nigerians in Nigeria. Mm. <laughs> so I was just like, what are these people, like, mean? Um, so that was kind of like a first encounter with, like, race and all of that. Um, so anyway, I did, like, my last year of middle school there through high school, finished and decided I absolutely had to come to England to do... Um, higher like further education because like you know I was attracted to the fact that there are more black people in England like you know topics like race diaspora and stuff like that are more um, prevalent in like the English society than anywhere else in Europe I think so anyway I came to England um, did a year of engineering hated it then um, did classics I went to Cambridge finished last year um yeah so that's kind of like my story in in a nutshell thanks for sharing hi Sa okay. satya here yeah um i just had i just had a question just for clarification you said your stepdad was english mm. so um because english is not really commonly used over here in the uk you know it's got quite bad connotations well, so um but but I just want to know racially. I know, he I know, was white. I know what you mean? I, I said English because he, he's racially white. He's white, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what that's what I wanted to know. Yeah, that's what I, I wanted to know. Also, oh, he's white. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, he's white, he's white. Okay, so um, Satya here from Melanin Millennials podcast. Um, so my immigrant story um, started off with my parents migrating. Um, my dad, I think, he travelled all over Africa. He used to work on a boat. Where's your dad from? My dad's from Guinea-Bissau, and so is my mum. And my dad is about 15 years, quite significantly older than my mother. So he travelled around, and I, and I think that's how he got he got um, Portuguese na nationality. Mm. And then, you know, so he's, he was the big man with the Portuguese nationality that could, you know, travel to Europe and, and whatnot, because that opened doors, apparently. And he went back and he went back home to Guinea-Bissau um, and married my mum. And then they both moved to Portugal, which is where I was born. 
and so I was born in Portugal and it was a very interesting experience I have like the most nostalgic um, memories of growing up in Lisbon and the community that I had it was very much a community made up of immigrants so from all so in the 80s at that time you know Portugal was developing it had just recently joined the EU and it was building you know because Portugal was, was underdeveloped in comparison to the other European countries in the north so they had there was a lot of migration from let's say the ex-colonial countries to let's say the motherland which is Portugal but kind of weird that is you know motherland um and so you had it was a melting pot of people from Mozambique people from Cape Verde people from Angola Guinea-Bissau San Tomé and Principe so lots of all those all the um, ex-colonies even Brazil and they were they did the heavy duty jobs um so as you can imagine it was it was you know all migrants in the community kind of segregated and we lived basically in what would be the equivalent of favelas you know mm. you know the brazilian kind of like mm-hmm. um was it shanty towns mm. and so that's where we lived and you know you know as as immigrants do as migrants do they just make do mm. and so because my parents both worked hard you know we we were in the middle of deprivation but because both my parents worked and you know i think they had aspirations you know beyond beyond what life handed them mm. you know we we were quite well to do um we had our own house all the commodities and whatnot but in comparison to other people they might not have had that because like i said it was quite poor um then my immigrant story moved on when i moved to the uk and this is how i speak english now um i moved i moved to london when i was eight with my with my my dad came here first for a few months and then he set up shop um as before and then my mum and my brother and myself joined him here this was in 1996 december 1996 so that christmas i remember being like particularly bad as in I didn't have all the things I normally had, so that was a bit traumatic for me coming here to a new place and living in one in one bedroom. Mm. And so, twenty years or almost twenty years down the line, I moved again and I I went to live in Spain. So I I, I graduated. So I did my year abroad in Spain. Um, so I took my year out from university, went there, lived, and worked. Came back, finished my degree, and then I moved again there permanently for about four or five years. So I recently came back in the middle of 2015. So just to wrap that up, um, that's my brief story. But to wrap that up, I'm an immigrant, immigrant, immigrant generation. You know, I don't know how to explain it. So I usually go by I'm triculturally confused mm. or like I'm a, or I'm a third culture kid mm. because... I, I have all these different elements and it's become it's become a fusion mm-hmm. of my identity where mm-hmm. my parents are from Guinea Bissau and I'm quite specific when I say that and it's not anything to do with not be not being proud to say that I'm from Guinea Bissau. But it's just I literally can't compute saying that I'm from there. Mm-hmm. I've never been there and everything that I've had culturally has been second hand from my parents. Mm-hmm. And my parents were also quite adamant that I'm not from Guinea Bissau because it's a a matter of pride they're they're proud 
and they're like, you know, you're you're a European kid, you're Portuguese, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not like us. I'm like, that's mm. fine. But then coming here, mm-hmm. coming here was also interesting because people would ask me, where am I from? Right. I would say yeah. I'm from I'm from Portugal. That's literally where I came from. <laughs> <laughs> and so people were like, no, you're not. You're African. I'm like, yeah, that's that's fine, but. You asked me where I'm from. So right. that, that that was, you know, people trying to put me in the box. And mm. and then also, in t- and when I went abroad, people would ask me when I, where I'm from. I would say, I'm from London. Um, what? Yeah. You know, are you not British? I was like, no, nah, Nabi. I'm Londonese. Londonese. <laughs> I'm not British. Because I literally don't have a British passport. I don't have, I'm not a British national. Mm. But I am a resident. Mm-hmm. So... I think in terms of my identity, that's always always been a little confusing to the people that know me because I was just on... If it was a Wednesday, I would say, yes, I'm from Guinea-Bissau. If it was a Friday, I'm Portuguese. If it's a Monday, I'm London. So, yeah, that's my immigrant story, guys. Who's next? I don't know how anybody can top that. That is like we should have saved that for last. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, remix it, remix it when you're editing. <laughs> I'll go. That's this is Ife. So I was born in Nigeria. I grew up in Nigeria. Was in Nigeria till I turned till around eighteen. Then I moved to the states for uni, college, as they call it in America. And I was there for how long? Hmm. Six ish years. <laughs> yeah. was laughing Sounds right. she's like you can't count again <laughs> <laughs> I was there for six years mm-hmm. and I then migrated again mm-hmm. to the UK so yes I'm a twice over yes. migrant yes. now great job thanks for sharing it then. and you're both par- and both your parents are from Nigeria yes mo- both my parents are from Nigeria they were born in Nigeria yeah. and they're from wh- which part of Nigeria they're from the southwest part of Nigeria so they are Yoruba. Yoruba, okay. okay. Oh, and I'm in the UK for work. Yeah, so this is Fenua, and similar to Ifa, I am from Nigeria. I was born there, um, born in Lagos, spent 18 years of my life in Lagos. My parents are Nigerians. Um, my family is Igbo, and I came to the States 2010 for college. And I've been here ever since then. But yeah, it's it's funny because, I mean, now with everything that's going on in this political climate and not just in the States, but elsewhere, just the response to like the refugee crisis and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And we've talked about this on previous episodes, like our identity, like those of us that identify as black and what's that's been like. There's also been... Another part of uh, my identity has been identifying as an immigrant um, mm-hmm. because it's just one of those words that like is, is heavy and has a lot of connotations and baggage and assumptions that I didn't fully know and understand. So for the longest time, like even till now, I catch myself like, y- you know, shifting between when I'm talking, I'm like, okay, yes, I'm an immigrant, but wait, am I really an immigrant? Because like, I feel like my story is just not finished yet. Like, you know, like I'm not a resident, like I'm not a permanent resident of the state. So like, say, like, yeah. So sometimes it's, it's like hard to put that label on myself while at the same time recognizing that I did immigrate to this country. Um, so maybe that might even tie to this whole expats versus immigrants 
vocabulary because sure. I have because I know somebody from college who's in London right now and she's married to I guess he's Irish or whatever but she's in school and she made a video trying to like speak out against like what Trump's like mm, number 45's executive order um, and she referred <laughs> to herself an, as an expat and I was like oh shit Are we, can we do that can I do that like wondering who gets <laughs> to use wondering who gets to use that word you know, because like I said, I'm like my story isn't finished. I'm not a permanent resident of the U.S., so like mm-hmm. I don't, you know. So, <laughs> and my journey as an immigrant is still not finished. Like I could go home. I could go to another country. Like I don't really mm-hmm. know. Um, but yeah, that's my whole spiel. Satya here. You know who can use that? You know who can use that? That expert label. You know. I don't actually because it's not a word that I've heard people people I know and people who look like me and who have my experience it's not a word I've heard them use it's a word I've heard yeah. I've heard like white people use exactly you know exactly and actually the person that used this word recently <laughs> is actually not white she's actually an African American so that was even more jarring but it's not a mm. word that I've like heard people like you know yeah oh well white people use it quite liberally um yeah. you know yeah. because they have a god-given right yeah. to <laughs> to roam the earth yeah but so what is the what is the dictionary definition of like an immigrant versus an expert like an expert is someone who eventually returns to their mm. country of origin mm. which is not mm. what's what's what white people do sometimes <laughs> so <laughs> But then I thought, sorry, Nanda here, I thought it was tied in with like, um, like I was trying to say before, like the motivation mm. for leaving your country. So like if you leave, if you move from like an economically developed um, country, you know, the UK, US, whatever, and you go to another country, then you're an expat. But if you move from a kind of underdeveloped or developing country, then you're... Um, an immigrant, you know, kind this kind of thing. So it's kind of like the motivation. Like, are you are you moving to another country because you know you, you just you like it's sunny, great weather, great food, kind of like the way English people like move to Spain, <laughs> or like if your parents are coming from Nigeria because they want you to have like better um, chances at life, better educational um, opportunities, etc. I don't think yeah. so. I think um, so. Okay, I think just by nature of how things work, because most expats are coming from more developed countries. To you know, um, at least from my experience, mm-hmm. move from more developed to less, to less developed countries. But I mean, mm-hmm. if a Nigerian is going to the UK to work, that like he's or she is considered an expat. I think immigrant is looking for permanent residence in a, in a different country, and an immigrant is just living in a foreign land or you know temporarily living in a different country with mm-hmm. the expectation of going back to the original country as long as you know their contract is up or mm-hmm. whatever business deal their grounds up so i don't think it has anything i don't think it's tied to economic um, um what's it called reasons um, i guess by nature of how things have worked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah here. i also think i also think that um it's quite telling that who you know who, who chooses who's an immigrant and who's an expat. Mm. But it's but there's a specific name for people who 
who move for economic reasons and they're called economic migrants um so it, that would encompass everyone who, who's moved for a job you know they're yeah, yeah, yeah. they're moving they're moving as economic migrants and then you'll have your refugees and then you will have you know those who are expats who you know who go there for work but if you end up staying there you're an immigrant i i don't i think what's goose what, what's good for the goose is good for the gander as well so that's, yeah that's i mean I, I get I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I really don't think. I, well, maybe from what I've seen, I am not. I've not seen those words used in people's favor. Like, oh, I choose to be an expert when I want to. I choose to be an immigrant. I think it is what it is, right? If but you I are think, an expert, <laughs> yeah, I think it has to be very deliberate. Though. Call it spade spade. Like, if if I'm coming to the UK. And I'm not looking for permanent residence. I'm not, you know, going for like education. I'm going to work temporarily. I'm just going for vacation for a for sabbatical. I am an expert, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I don't, I don't right, think right. it's, you know, based on what other people think or, you know, what society. Like it's what it is. Right. right. So I feel like, you know. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, Yeka, over here. I feel like it's one of those things where, um, I mean, there are words, right? And people mm-hmm. claim certain words. Of yeah. a certain sense of power or whatever it is, but like Amaya is saying, like the word expat is a person who is living outside of their country and having mm-hmm. some intention of returning. So ultimately, um, we can claim the word expat because that's what the word is, um, knowing fully well that there are people um, who are using that word as a kind of like a power shift like it, it gives them a certain mm-hmm. sense of power when the reality mm-hmm. of the word is just anybody who you don't left your mama's house you're living somewhere mm-hmm. else like that uh, right yes. okay yeah um so i just wanted to say add one more thing so this is ife here and i think the distinction or where the bone of contention is is that white people even though they are immigrants like the example that satya gave where you know some people white some british people live in spain with mm. no intention of returning yeah. back to in back to britain but they still call themselves expats i think you know it's like oh we're you know no fuck you you're an immigrant you're you, you, <laughs> you're, you're taking this state's resources this is where you're retiring this is where you're probably gonna die like you know you're not expatriating you're not you know expats means that you're here you know you're you're here um, and I just wanted to add something else about how definitely the the Western tilt, so the expat term is definitely more f- favorably assigned to people from the West regardless of yeah. race actually. Because like black Americans, when they go to Paris, they're treated as, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they're like expats in Paris. But Africans who migrate from Africa people who go from Senegal from Cameroon when they go to Paris they're like African migrants so it's definitely there's like a I mean do they have intentions to be black? wait 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 that's what they are but even those black Americans like the black Americans that I'm using as an example they live in Paris they are not going back to America America. and they they call themselves expats yeah, but they're classified as expats. So there's definitely, there's definitely like a. I mean, I guess, I guess people just don't know what the words mean. Please mm. do that again. I thought it's. I think that's. I think. I mean, everybody thinks that it's quite interesting, and I just feel like people don't know what the words mean, or they just choose to define it the way they so, want. So, 
I think it's a very selective. Mm. It's very selective. Selective of who gets defined yes. as an expert. Yes. Like it's yeah. very. So you know, even if you self-identify as an expert, or even if you are, you know, you're an expert in all dictionary definitions. Mm-hmm. If you are from Africa, even though like you are in UK for a contract or whatever, like some like external people will mm-hmm. just immediately assume that you are an immigrant. Yeah. You know. Right. Right. Um, Meanwhile, so basically the layer of what I'm trying to say is that um, Africans like get classified more as immigrants than expats and also like black people from Western Western parts of the world also have the privilege of being called expats so yes. maybe, you know mm-hmm. there's true. like layers of privilege yeah right i actually experienced some sorry nanda here um like when i was living in italy um so they they have major issues with immigration specifically people from eastern europe and north africa but um i was always treated like really bad so like even recently when i was there somebody um i was inquiring about you know like um italian residency and they were like oh um well if you want to come into this country to be a caretaker um Mm. it's just the way he immediately assumed um there was nothing else I Mm. i was like coming here to do you know i was just coming here to be a caretaker um so you know i would always get treated like really poorly um and you know italians like people that are either american british and if you're black african americans they mm-hmm. don't if you're black from anywhere else like you know there's there's really no no way you can prove that you're different like and even when i used to tell people that look my parents haven't come to this country because we're refugees or fleeing some kind of i don't know terrible situation like we've just come we've just chosen to come here because we we like literally full stop no 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 other reason um they just found it really difficult to grasp you know like the idea of a black person um Mm. and also you know the idea you know like many black people being being like prostitutes there especially Mm. many nigerians you know they always kind of like thought they always sort of tried you know that game with me like especially the men you know let's try and see if she's like a prostitute so i have men like honking at me waiting for me to get into their car you know that that kind of thing yeah y'all y'all okay i I almost feel like i need to be making a public service announcement if you're listening to this podcast and you go around thinking that all black people are a monolith stop right now in this instant like this Satya here. I mean, that happened to me um, in Spain as well, actually. And and it wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It's supposed to be, you know, the capital. So, um, because there is prostitution as well from other parts of Africa. um, And you see them. But, you know, I I was teaching in Spain. And some people couldn't believe that I was getting up every day and going to work when they didn't have jobs. So... Mm. So people would just be looking at me like, well, why, why is she up early getting the train every day? <laughs> Girl. So, yeah, I, yeah. Girl. And, I, and, mm. I, and it's just like Spain, Italy, to even to, even Portugal to an extent. Even though I would say Portugal is a bit more racially, if I can say that, advanced. Mm. Because just because of the presence of black people and Portuguese people can't possibly deny their atrocious history when it comes to black people so um yeah i mean i've heard nightmare nightmare stories um from places like spain italy portugal as well 
and it's just like you just you just got to get up and go and do it and mm. stunt on them oh, yeah, right guess. right and that brings me to um the next oh, sorry oh, okay, sorry sorry um i just wanted to add this is ife that the prostitution crisis in italy and spain it's not like you know African women are willingly like going to Italy and no, Spain exactly. to be prostitutes. They are yes. being trafficked. Being yes. So that's one thing I yes. that's something I want to make clear. It's exactly. not like they they so oh you know what I'm in my country in Africa I'm in my town and yeah. you know what I want to do go to Italy and be a prostitute. Like no yeah. I'm not knocking sex workers. Sex work is work. You know mm-hmm. hey if that's what you're doing that's you know do yeah. what you got to do. But I'm just saying that because they paint there's this image that oh like you know the african this um, is what they do migrants like this is why yeah. they're in no mm-hmm. majority of those women are being trafficked and sold into sex slavery, into sex slavery. So. um yeah we're wow we're just we're going to transition kind of going off of that with the con the process of integrating into a new um society so there's this i guess amongst astrologists there's this huge debate of assimilation versus acculturation Right, where assimilation is a scenario where someone from a minority culture moves to the majority culture and ends up losing most of their culture just to fit in into the majority culture. Um, but acculturation being um, fitting, trying to fit into the majority culture without necessarily losing um, some aspects or majority of the aspects of your own um, minority culture. And I came across um, this, oh, Lord the offense um so it was a book by peter sailings i think called um assimilation american style um and so he presented three ideas um for a person to be welcomed as a full member of the american society okay guys ready um the first one is that the person has to accept english as the national language um the second thing is that the person is expected to live by what's commonly referred to as the protestant work ethic. So basically be self-reliant, morally upright, and hardworking. I'm going to cough on that one. Um, The third one is that the person is expected to take pride in their American identity and believe in the American liberal, democratic, and egalitarian principles. Okay, so that was a lot. Um, So just breaking this down with regards to like our individual experiences, um, what are your thoughts on the on acculturation versus assimilation do you think that in the countries that you've migrated to there was more of a push to be um to assimilate than to acculturate mm. this is if here i have and i have thoughts about that thing that you just read i have like a lot of feelings and thoughts because when was that thing published actually before i you know begin my thoughts <laughs> before you begin okay. to decimate as you look <laughs> as you as you look that up it's so funny how like you know you talk about accepting english as the primary language you are mm. on fucking colonized land are you speaking native american language <laughs> how many native american languages are you speaking this was 1998 oh so it's kind of even fairly recently safe <laughs> mm. uh, number <laughs> number Numero un, I mean, numero dos, dos thanks. Yes. That's yeah, yes. two, number two. Uh, um, 
protestant work ethic it's so like wild to me how people whose wealth was built off the back you know like off the back of enslaved people have the mouth to fix to have this have the (laughs) The cheek wherewithal have the cheek cheek. yes that's the the word Bloody cheek. <laughs> cheek is the actual word. <laughs> have the cheek to talk about work ethic when essentially you have a trust fund in blood money of you know black people's <laughs> and labor black people's Amen. labor. So yeah. like you have you already have this head start that you refuse to acknowledge mm. and you are now like claiming Mr. I walk the hardest. Mm. Like what mm. is that? That's number two. What was what was the other numero tres? Number three was to take uh, expected to take pride in their American identity and believe in America's liberal, democratic, and egalitarian principles. Okay, what's um? But you guys got Trump, so (laughs) Uh, (laughs) don't call him by name on this podcast. Hey, number forty-five. Sorry, number (laughs) forty-five. That um orange cheater. Yeah. (laughs) Um. And and um, yeah, so what is the American identity? Is it like the white, you know, is it the Native American identity? Is it the white colonizer identity? Like, what what is that? You know, it's like very, I don't know. It could be those people that escaped from, from the UK, the persecuted people. The pilgrims? The, yeah, the pilgrims. The colonizers, <laughs> yeah. you mean. So everyone should be wearing like those funny hats and funny trousers. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take that identity. So, yeah. So, the thing about assimilation and what's the acculturation, acculturation, Abby, Mm -hmm. is, like, there's, like, the assimilation thing is always, like, a power trip. It's always, like, a, you know, a power imbalance of, oh, you must, you must, you must do this. You must, Mm -hmm. um, if you're here, you must speak English. If you're here, you must do whatever, whatever. So, it's never from a sense of... Like, well, like it's funny how they say like egalitarianism, and they like pull the bullshit of like you must speak English, like so, such cognitive d- dissonance. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I've forgotten what the question was. Sorry, Assimilation. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, Satya here, just to um, pull up on um, if I point. Um, yeah, I understand the outrage, and I actually, I actually about was it. Two, three episodes ago, I actually did uh, an episode um, called The Good Immigrant. And um, The Good Immigrant is also a book um, that was edited by Nikesh. And we had him on our show because it was um, about a collection of stories from 12 different writers and people in the media talking about their immigrant experience, right? And this is this is the idea about, you know, the good immigrant must assimilate, must you know, love everything about our culture, must mm. be grateful to to be on these shores and everything, you know. And and, you know, thank thank the lucky stars to be there. And I just no. There there is a third way where you can actually integrate, still manage to keep your your identity, your cultural practices mm-hmm. and and also respect respect. I think that I think that's the word. Right. But the respect's got to be two ways. It can't be just one way. You know, there's, there's this cultural hegemony that people think they have, when, you know, especially in the West, that their, their, is, their way of doing things is better. Superior, yeah. It's superior, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of my personal experiences, um, 
I'm very much comfortable with my with my identities, you know. Even though you know I, I don't have schizophrenia, but you know I'm very much comfortable with um, everything that that makes me me, and I'm I'm proud of it. You know, I think it's overall. You know, immigration has been just a plus. You know, it's been a net gain for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've experienced different cultures. I. I can relate to more people. I, you know, and especially as you were talking about, you know, we won't mention his name, and the climate in the US. There's also a climate over here, similarly, and it kind of, um, kind of preempted what hap- what was to come. As soon as Brexit happened, we knew what was gonna ha- what was gonna go down in the US. Mm. Um, so with Brexit, which was very much framed around immigration. And it it was a bit of a wake up call because I already knew that people outside of the EU had a tougher had a way tougher time. Um, but now it seems like the focus was shifted on people from the EU. And here's me, a black European immigrant. You know, I'm not I'm not just uh, an immigrant. I'm also visibly non-white. You know, mm-hmm. and and that comes a whole different you know kettle of fish. So I think you don't have to assimilate. You don't have to. What was what was that word? A cultural. A culturalize. I I see what they did there. Can you define our cul- Sorry, this is Ife. Can you define acculturation? I don't know if you did it already, and I missed it. Sorry if you did. So it's the idea that a person um, is able to integrate with the majority culture without losing An aspects aspect of, of their, their own culture. culture. All right, okay. so yeah, I prefer, I prefer that you know, this, what, what's what's what simulation? Mm-hmm. Some nonsense. Um, sorry, this is Ife again. So um, I just wanted to add that with immigration, it's not only the migrants that are gaining something; the country they're migrating to mm. is also gaining a fuck ton. Ife, Ife, that's a question. That's, that's a question coming up. Just oh, answer sorry, sorry, the first sorry, one. Sorry, <laughs> my God. <laughs> if they jumping, messing up plans. Just bothered. bothered. No, but that means Ife is ahead of the game. Well, yeah. <laughs> Forward thinker. Hey. Only <laughs> rocking on this block. Unagi, unagi. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I, I concur with Satya, so I, I have nothing uh, nothing else to add. This whole co- this conversation about like assimilation, there's this, and I he, read, I... A, some of my favorite authors are immigrants. So people from like Jhumpa Lahiri Same. to Huno Diaz. Um, like, and I read stories of what their childhood... And, you know, Lovia Jai, she's first gen or one and a half, mm-hmm. don't know. Um, but she wrote a book, um, I'm Judging You. And in it, there's a chapter where she talks about just her experience going to school and how she was always singled out because, you know her accent and her name mm-hmm. and African booty scratcher and you know all mm-hmm. of that and so it just so when I think about there's this and I don't know the guy who wrote the article about you know assimilation versus acculturation sometimes there's this there's the, this like uh, burden that's placed on you know the immigrant or the person who's like coming in or in the international in, in, because you know this conversation about assimilation is from the perspective of whoever is coming in, and it doesn't really exactly. address the challenges that is put on them. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense, 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when you talk about some people are assimilate as a way of survival, it might not seem like yeah. it might not seem like much, but going through childhood and puberty and you know all of that mess, and then you add on being targeted because of you know mm. yeah, because you're different or because you sound different, yeah. because you look different, and then somebody some. <laughs> Gosh, I almost called him an ass. I don't know this man from Adam. But then, you know, you fix your fingers and you type these things and we talk about this and that and not knowing what that person's personal struggle is and what they have to go Mm -hmm. through and the choices they have to make, you know. And I don't know. I don't, you know, ideally, it's like I don't want any... Ideally, somebody gets to keep the parts of themselves that they do cherish and not lose that because they want to fit in. But still, people make Mm -hmm. choices to be to be taken seriously at work to be Mm. to not be made fun of in class for them for all eyes to be on them not because they sound different but because they have something smart to say so Mm. you know when we talk about this assimilation it's it's unfortunate that people some people we have to go through this or people have to that we have to code switch that you know we have to do some of these things but you know from I think it's important that we not only say talk about assimilation from the point of whoever is doing the assimilation, but what society they are assimilating to. How is that society making it even more acceptable for you know people coming in? Because like you said, like hmm. society is gaming stuff, you know. So let me let me flip this and say, in what ways have you guys assimilated or acculturated? Uh, Ooh, oh interesting. Um, Satya here. I think it just depends who I'm around. Yeah. Mm. Um, I have, you know, we're all multifaceted. And I have, um, you know, I remember, I remember um, what is it, a couple of weeks ago, some friends were visiting and they were hanging out with their white friends. And I don't really hang out with um, a lot of white people, a lot of British white people. Mm. So I was like, oh, this, is, this has been a while. <laughs> and... Um, and they were asking me about, oh, they were like, my friends were like, oh, she has a podcast. And it's like, oh, you know, has white people go, what's your podcast about? I told them the name. Mm. And then you just saw their eyes go around. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And so they're like, what do you talk about? I was like, we talk about everything. I, I, I deliberately keep it vague and just, just have fun watching their reactions. And, um, and then, you know, they told me, later on that they listened to it and it wasn't what they expected and I was like what did you expect you know mm. you know I think I think they thought I was going to be talking about you know race all the time which we do talk we talk about yeah. everything is going to be from our perspective anyway because we're black mm-hmm. women and you know race is a factor right. as, as is whiteness as well but they don't realize that mm. and you know I just thought it was super interesting and, and I and I noticed myself um you know when I was with them they will talk about, you know, British stuff like the Queen or whatever. And I'm like, I've never thought about the Queen in my life. I have never, I have never actually sat down and thought about the Queen. But I was like, you know, yeah, I'm here. I'm with it. They invited me. You know, let me, let me talk about the Queen with them. <laughs> so that's the way I would either assimilate. I think you do have to be a chameleon, you know, mm. as an immigrant, as, as an expat. Because, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. So, you know, right. I, I think also use the expat, that word expat deliberately in mm. front of their faces. When it's like, oh, you're an immigrant. No, I'm not. I'm an expat. And, and especially those people I was talking to, they're not from London. So they, you know, they came, they came here 
and you know that that of course of the gentrification. So mm-hmm. I said it. I said it to their faces. I said it, I said it to them. I was like, "Oh, so you guys are foreigners? You guys are not even from here?" And they were so confused because they're white British people. They were so confused. They were like, "What? What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, you guys are not from London, so you know, you guys have come here, taken all our jobs, and wow." <laughs> That's just the kind of person I am. I'm just an asshole, but I love it. <laughs> and um, but yeah, and also when I moved to Spain, I had to shift a little bit when I was around Spanish people. So I just think I think that, you know there's this layer, and I think I think it's very good to be able to show to certain people only certain you know aspects of yourself. Mm. Yes, and and you. But as long as you, as long as you know who you are. Mm on a solid level then everything's okay but you're just playing the game at the end of the day yeah. right so based on what based on what satya was saying um so where adaptation comes into place where yes. okay you're in a new environment and this isn't you trying to or not trying but this isn't you losing your culture to to the new culture it's just more of, okay you want to get by in this situation you want to you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb you don't want to be you know made fun of etc etc mm-hmm. so i think that's where you know adaptation as opposed to um, assimilation or acculturation mm-hmm. um, I, I think for me just following on from what satsuma said like for me it, it depends um like it's very much a case of being a comedian and just sort of studying who you have in front of you like a lot of the time when um i'm in italy and i'm trying to kind of negotiate where i stand i sort of play you know i really affirm my nigerian culture because i know a lot of them even the really educated ones have this view about nigeria so i think depending on who i have in front of me if i if i know they're already coming to me with, you know, their warped mentality. So, you know, mm-hmm. I try to play play upon the idea that, look, you know, Nigerians, like, we're great because we actually are. Um, mm. And, you know, so many of us are, like, you know, educated and we're not, you know, like, waste men like they think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when I'm here and I find, you know, again, people might want to, like, box me into um, a certain category, um... I kind of latch onto my Italian um, kind of like personality, um, mm-hmm. and I think I do that. Because it's it's almost kind of um, apologetic because when when I first moved here, I, I couldn't I didn't really fit into sort of like the black British culture. Like I, I didn't know grime and you know all that stuff. So I, I felt really listen. Really I don't apathetic. know grime, and I've been here oh, for ages. I don't listen to grime either. <laughs> So you ain't the only one. <laughs> not that I'm trying to, you know, paint a single picture, actually. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't want to do that. But I, I find I couldn't really fit in there. And then I'd, I'd, I'd lost touch with Nigeria that I was also struggling, you know, with, like, Nigerians who were living in, um, in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I found solace in being from Italy because it was kind of like, uh, you know, I'm I'm from Italy, so I don't really understand what's going on here. And, um, you know, I'm excused for it because I simply mm. haven't lived here. So I, I, fi- I find myself, according to how sort of developed I am and how sure I am about what aspect of my personality, I find myself having to um, manipulate 
if you like, who, like what answer I give to, to whoever's asking me, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense, definitely. And I, I found it really interesting, oh sorry, Satya here, I find it really interesting that, um, how you said that you um, couldn't connect to the, to the British, to the British Nigerians. Because yeah. when I see Nigerians, you know, come together, it's a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. Um, especially Nigerians abroad, outside Nigeria, because I've never been to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. But when I see them, they're like, when they find out, oh, you're Nigerian. It's like, oh, it's like a homecoming and they're super happy <laughs> and yeah. super welcoming. So yeah. I'm sorry you didn't have that experience necessarily. Okay. okay. Anyone have anything to add? Because I'm going to go to the last question since we're pushing on time right now. I have something else to add as always. Yes, this is Ife. Uh, for me, the way I assimilate, as you can tell, you may, as you may already, hey, I can't speak English. <laughs> as you may already tell, as you can already tell, as you may have already tell. Ah, yes, as you, told? you may already wait. know. Aha, yes, yes. yes that's that phrase. As you may already know. My accent, the, the, the easiest or the most noti- noticeable mm-hmm. way I assimilate is my accent. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I, mm. I call myself an accent ninja. Yes. Meaning that depending on who I'm talking to, my Coat accent switch. changes. So yeah. if mm-hmm. I'm talking to, you know, Americans, because I, I, the country I first migrated to was America, where I spent, I uh, was, you know, there for college. So when you know in class you'll be speaking with a nigerian accent the teacher will say eh what mm. you know? like, okay, yes right. mm-hmm. the easiest way for them to be able to hear me is to speak like them so right. that's yeah. when i started talking with an american accent so when i talk to americans when i talk to non-nigerians in general i have a confused american-ish accent so i don't think it's like full-on american because i'm not american mm. Um, but it's like, you'd be like, oh, everybody's like, oh, are you American? I'm like, not quite. The question <laughs> of where I'm from is a little complicated. Thank you very much. Um, but when I'm talking is to it, Nigerians... I, I'm so sorry like, to interrupt you, but is that assimilation or acculturation? Because like, when you're talking to Nigerians, can you just switch, switch back? To Nigerian yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess you could... I guess it's it's like... I guess it might be acculturation since like I talk with a Nigerian accent when I talk to Nigerians but I I think of assimilation more of survival Mm -hmm. because the reason why I started talking with an American accent is that they couldn't hear me in class and I'm like here to learn and if I cannot communicate what's this like (laughs) no participation (laughs) point so like that's why I associate having speaking with a different accent around non-Nigerians as assimilation because okay. yeah. yeah so now my accent is like a weird mishmash of you know Nigerian and American so when I'm talking to like on this podcast I think my accent is you know it probably fluctuates but it's more Nigerian on this podcast than it is yes outside of yes this. yeah I agree mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. especially when you get angry no, guys. When yeah, when I'm hungry, angry, tired, <laughs> frustrated, <laughs> can't nobody. <laughs> Your Nigerian accent comes out that way because because, yeah. because because that's home. That is home. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But like, Actually, enough, when I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, I share your story. I was so cold Whoa. one day. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to be good. This Michigan winter was not doing me right. And then I hopped on the bus, and the bus driver was like, Are you okay? And I was like, No. <laughs> and then he was like, Where are you going? <laughs> And I said it, I was telling him, I was like, I'm just, I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want am I doing in this country. And I was just talking. I was like, some random. I didn't even think I was coherent at that point. But he was like, oh. He's like, so I cool. hear. He was like, I hear an accent. I was like, I was like, eh. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's not, he wants to use me. <laughs> to be well, figuring out where I'm from. About where I've been now. After I said I'm not in the mood. Oh, now now I've been also well, investigating I, journalism. Uh, right. I, 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 and I was just just, cold. I was still thawing. So I didn't even have time for him. I was, was so frustrated. If anyone, well, I legit have a picture of, of Sophia like getting on the bus and having this interaction. I used like, to. <laughs> well, guys, I'm legit crying. But anyways, if I carry on... So when you're drunk, yeah, I, mine is actually weird. Yeah, mine is weird when I'm drunk. Like when it, it, when I went home to Nigeria a couple of times, and um, when we went out and go to parties, they were like, when I'm drunk, I talk in an American accent, which is like weird. <laughs> you know, it's like really like reverse, like weirdness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like back home in Nigeria, my 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 sisters and my my mom will make fun of me and um, mommy. My mom doesn't listen to this, but in case she does, <laughs> uh, apparently mm-hmm. when I, the first time I came back home, after I've been in the States for like two years, um, my sisters teased my mom that she's tried to start sounding like me. So she used to say purper. <laughs> so she asked my sister, all right, have you blended the purper? <laughs> the purper. <laughs> and, they to, and they used to laugh at her. I'm sorry, so- mom. <laughs> it's it's so interesting having I think having your accent is just something for for you to keep, you know. Mm. Something to keep you rooted and grounded. I think in terms of I I don't have an accent because um you have an accent. You have a British accent. Oh yeah, right. Yes. That's another Brit- thing that annoys me. Like accents are not neutral like you know yes. everybody has an accent right. everybody has an accent yes yes drag me drag me drag me drag you it's alright it's okay no but I was just thinking <laughs> I meant in terms of um, because because when I came from Portugal I don't have my Portuguese accent I think that's what I meant originally um, mm. because because I just I just fell into the you know into the British accent fully and I didn't keep, you know, any of my Portuguese accent, whatever that is. Mm. I personally think when my mom speaks English, she sounds like a Russian lady. <laughs> oh. I'm like, what is this English? You know, it's very heavy, like kind of. Mm. I'm like, wow. So when we, so so if someone speaks to my mom on the phone, and then she opens the door, and they see a black woman, they're like, what the fuck? What's going on? <laughs> So yeah, I I have a British accent. Uh, No, sorry. I have a London accent. Londonese accent. All right, ladies. I'm going to draw the ring in right now and just um, ask for, just from each person, one benefit of having the best of both worlds. So acculturating successfully into whatever culture it is, but also keeping your own um, home identity, whatever that is. 
this one benefit. Ooh, benefit, benefit. Ooh. Guys, can I just say this is a thing you are, yeah? hmm. And I am so thankful to God <laughs> every every day that the rhythm the innate mm. rhythm that My I guy. if you have but I am very grateful for just like just like Nigerian nah, my Nigerianness, music, food, everything, music, just our our thirst for life and mm. for enjoyment. Mm. You know, enjoyment. I know the other world. I haven't decided what the benefit is yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, no, no. Okay, I don't. I don't know fun. if this is uh, if this is unique to being in the U.S. But I will say that, and I don't know because everything. I'm about to get very psychological. But like at the end of the day, who I am in regardless of geographic location or wherever I migrate to it's still based on my personality if that makes any mm-hmm. sense so I think coming to the states has made me more versatile is, is that that's yeah. the word I've just been yes I've been put in so many new environments that like having to adapt and be flexible and code switch has just in other aspects of my life just made me more willing to try new things like I'm not I'm not finna shake if like when I didn't know if I was gonna stay in Massachusetts like I wasn't like there, obviously it was like scary for my future to be very uncertain but I was like man if I gotta move to California like I'm gonna pick up my bags and move like I mm. you know that has just given me this freedom this yeah, this freedom to just like move where the wind takes me, and I've just been, mm. I'm just a more flexible, versatile, open-minded person. Mm. That's amazing. I totally, Satya here. I totally resonate with that. That totally resonates with me. Because mm. I've gotten to meet all kinds of people, like in my journey, just you know, from Lagos to. Western Mass to Michigan and it's just made me more aware of like all the different shades of gray. Ha, see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you know, that they are but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. if so I definitely I definitely agree. Like basically everything you've said. I think for me, Nanda here, um I definitely appreciate um like being completely bilingual. Um and I think that's something that I would not have, um, I would not be able to do if I had not moved. Um, and that just kind of adds a different, a different flair to, to your personality. You know, being able to like think, communicate in various languages, and do so, do so um, fluently. Um, you know, it kind of makes you like several people in one, and that's actually something that can be quite beautiful. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like moving to Italy actually made me more appreciative of my home country. Like mm-hmm. it kind of sparked this this deep passion 
for Nigeria because all of a sudden I wanted to latch on to my Nigerian origin, my heritage. I wanted to tell mm -hmm. people about my culture. So that even made me delve into like our history, Nigerian authors, things that you kind of take for granted when you live there. Because like mm -hmm. when I was growing up, I, I just took everything for granted, like the food, I didn't like the food. Um, there's like you have housemaids you take them for granted everything and then when you move you don't have house help anymore you don't have driver mm. you do everything on your own so you're just like all of a sudden and, and it's funny because many people think when you're coming from Africa like you're coming to a sort of better living condition <laughs> and for me when I when I think about it my living condition was better in in Nigeria like mm. you know things were done for me like I was I was happier you, Europe is struggle for me so you know it actually made me really appreciative of like my Nigerian community my people um, my culture and everything and it's, it's definitely made me the person um, I am today so yeah Okay, this is Amayo. Um, I didn't say this earlier, but I... Can you guys hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes, very well. Okay, okay. Okay, so I didn't say this earlier. So I was born and raised in Nigeria. Then I went to the States for university, worked there for a year, and then moved back to Nigeria. Okay. So in my experience, I would say that... Um, so living in America definitely changed my personality. Um, so going from secondary school to university secondary school here to university there I was still a very shy timid person I was not afraid but I didn't express myself um, much or at all I was very introverted and I think going to college in the states just almost forces you to be like you have to put yourself out there mm -hmm. if you want to make friends if you want to you know um sometimes if you want to do well in, in some classes you have to yeah because you know all this participation sure. and group teamwork mm -hmm. oh my goodness oh my god <laughs> so yeah so things like that definitely made me put myself out there made me more of a people person made me you know volunteer more made me do more group oriented things and I think bringing that to Nigeria um, as I've moved back now has helped so much because I find myself talking to people like I want to know people's stories so yeah that's definitely made me more of an outgoing person um, building friendships getting to know people putting myself out there you know I've made I've taken advantage of so many opportunities just because of my experience and um, how I can apply my experience here so yeah definitely that um, and I think on the other end can you guys hear me, no? Yes, yeah. we can hear you. Yes. Okay. And then on the other end, being Nigerian, um, so it's very similar to what Nenda said, um, you know, going back there made me appreciate um, Nigeria so much more. Not that I, I mean, I, I think I took advantage of it, to be honest. And going there, I feel like it's struggle, but, you know, after a while you grow up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely made me want to know more about my country, my culture, um, you know, people ask you, oh, you're from Nigeria, what language do you speak? And I'm just like, uh, English. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so, <laughs> so try to, um, you know, just learn more about my culture and where I'm from. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. This is Ife. Um, being a, 
an immigrant has helped me really feel more connected to my country and my culture and really want to do more in terms of preserving my culture and making sure that you know um nigeria is being invested in nigeria actually Mm -hmm. and especially with this political climate of rubbish and nonsense and (laughs) anti-migrant things it's just like a wake-up call for me that's oh i I have another country i can always go back to nigeria and making sure that's that our home is in order and that Mm. as we are putting our resources and our brain power and all of these things into these countries where we currently reside that we should not forget you know our our home country so that's that's kind of what has been percolating in my mind Mm -hmm. in terms of things that i've gotten from being a migrant i think definitely open-mindedness and i reflect on where i was in Hmm. when i first moved to the states in terms of like thinking about certain like social justice and being very myopic and you know nigerians can be very loud and wrong like strong and wrong and i was i was definitely strong and wrong um in my days of yore so what i'm appreciative of is being more open-minded and being exposed to different perspectives and and having a more nuanced outlook on life Mm. yeah i like guys i concur with everything you guys have said and (laughs) you know we do we do benefit but they also benefit from us being here Mm -hmm. from us Mm -hmm. you know bringing light onto them um (laughs) so you go over here and um i think for me one of the benefits of being over yonder, aka the U.S., um, is just um, professionally. Um, I definitely appreciate the fact that um, I'm able to learn in the atmosphere that I learn in and have access to the kind of resources that I have access to. So that part's nice. Um, But within that, too, is helping me figure out where my um, career stands in the Nigerian context. Um, so just like what everybody else has said as, as to how, like, um, it makes you think more of your country and all those things. So it helps me kind of put what I want to do with my life in the context of um, the Nigerian society or the African um, society in general. Um, and then with regards to uh, the benefits of being Nigerian, I mean, everyone has said a lot of things. Um, but for me, it's it's just the sound. Like, there's just something about the Nigerian sound um, that I'm just super thankful that I have access to. Um, And I say this in context of, so I was leading worship at church um, and I was like, all right, I think I'm going to just like do a Nigerian song. And I kind of forgot how difficult it was for people to pick up who were Nigerian. Like, like if anyone's saying the rhythm is different and it's like a whole new world. And to me, it came easy but I just saw people struggling, and I'm like, wow, it's really that deep. So I'm definitely <laughs> appreciative of the Nigerian sound, um, the African sound, and, and rhythm in general. Um, thank you, ladies, so much for joining in on this conversation. If you want to know what we're listening to, what we're reading, um, what we're watching, follow us on Twitter to check that out. We'll be sure to put them up there and give us some of your recommendations, too. Also, if you are an immigrant with a first gen 1.5 to, <laughs> I don't know why a third gen was there, they might, I don't know. I don't know how old the parents are. Um, whatever gen that you are, or if you're an expat, 
um, feel free to send us your stories and let us know um, kind of what your integration process was like. Are you acculturated or are you just assimilated? Um, hit us up. We'll love to talk to you guys. With that said, thank you for joining us and we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Hey, Bye. thank you guys. Bye. Thank you.